This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know what time it is. Raptors Republic. Time to call the doctor, son. The doctor is in. PhD Steve. A doc's talking rap, stats, and who facts like it's Christmas. Dropping points and making specs that you won't be. Man, get ready to ball. Because he's talking hoop. He's got the scoop. Cutting out hoop. Give me the loop. With a hoopist brain, to big spout the size of Ben Wallace's. Wee! Arm wraps in public and a tune, so click and read. See! Ooh, drop your pants and cough. <laughs> Cause the doctor's in, so let's begin. Affiliate to ESPN. It's Rapcast with PhD Steve on Raptors Republic. Ooh, doctor. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's PhD Steve back from the podcasting dead uh, with a return to the World Wide Roundtable. Uh, it's been a while uh, since I've been on Raptors Republic, but happy to be back and talking about this great and historic moment in Raptors franchise history. Of course, those of you who've been with Raptors Republic for a while, you know, going back as far as a decade, will remember the early days of podcasting on the ESPN dot uh, com troop affiliate raptors republic and even before that uh before we were with espn back when we were just a, a group of local bloggers arsenalist raps fan uh myself uh but now the, the site is huge and the team is in the nba finals and it's a wonderful time to be alive and so thought we'd come back out here and share some 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 fun stories and talk a little bit about the the team and club that we all love uh, and to do that of course i'm going to bring in the the usual suspects from back in the day so again if you uh, you know the last time i think we did a worldwide round table was uh, june in 2016 we did a draft special and it's, i think it's still up on soundcloud if you want to go back and hear how right some of us were uh, and by some of us i mean greg mason the prophet and how wrong the rest of us were <laughs> <laughs> actually if you go back and listen to some of the old doctor zids you'll realize how wrong i was a fair bit of time so hopefully uh today's will be a much more positive and uh, and, and long-lasting story than that but let's bring in some of the usual suspects with me right now on the line what makes us the worldwide broad table is just that that we are around the globe so from the louisiana texas border is my brother mike and he knows college basketball My brother, 
I'm here. I'm uh, happy to see the Raptors in the final, just like I, I'm sure everybody else is. You know, what what a time to be alive. Yeah, and uh, before we, we we bounce around, what's what's the vibe like right now? Uh, you know, in, down in the South and uh, in, in 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 the United States, what 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 type of coverage are the Raptors getting right now at the NBA Finals? Uh, the Raptors are getting all sorts of coverage, uh, especially you know the the morning talk shows on ESPN or Fox Sports. Uh, you know, un, undisputed, or you know, the the shows with, uh, you know, get up the the, the shows that they the, they put on with the, all the talking heads. Uh, they're all talking uh, about this series. Is Durant coming back? How good is Kawhi Leonard? Uh, who's going where when it comes to free agency? And surprisingly enough, there's been a a, a few talking heads, uh, Jalen Rose among them, who have said that you know the Raptors uh, are going to win the series. So. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so we'll, we'll come back to probably all of those talking points as the podcast rolls on. But let's bounce to actual Toronto. Uh, in the six right now, in the uh, solar vortex, is uh, my good friend from the fifth quarter blog, Blair Miller. Blair, how's it going? Yeah, boy! Oh, yeah. What time is it? I'm doing really good. Hey, Olaf. I'm very well, thank you. In uh, Yeah, I'm the only one actually in Toronto, isn't that? That's right. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild here. They're, Good Morning America is doing a show here, out of America in Toronto this week, apparently. Wow, yeah, I was going to say, because, I mean, for those of you who who, uh, who don't know, I you know I, I live in Toronto, but Mike and I both grew up in Toronto. Mike's in Louisiana, and uh, and I'm in Australia. So uh, we actually have a, a, a worldwide, full global roundtable going on. And Blair, you are the only one there. What was it like? I mean, let, let's start right there. What was it like when the Raptors won? I saw some of it on social media. Some people sent some video clips of whatever the young Dundas Square or King Street or Young Street. And, you know, but what was what was the vibe like and the feeling night like the night the when the Raptors clinched? Oh, it was it was crazy. I I watched at home and I was uh, like Game Seven and against Philly. I ended up catching the game starting late, but I was recording it. So I was, you know, when you're fast forwarding through the commercials and I had about 15 minutes left to catch up um, in the clincher against Milwaukee. And let's just, I wasn't upset about it, but let's just say I already knew that the Raptors <laughs> had won about 16 minutes behind because you could hear the cars, even in the quiet neighborhood I live in up uptown, the car, you could already hear the honking. There were kids out yelling Raptors in the streets um, and then you saw what happened downtown. I used to run a restaurant on Front Street when uh, Canada won the Hockey World Cup, and they turned over a taxi cab and everything. It looked a lot like that, but a lot less uh, violent. It was it was crazy and amazing what was going on. Yeah, way to go, Canada. We're all really proud of you. Just want you to know. All the rest. No rest. Yeah, all us expats around the globe. They, you did us well, Toronto. You did us well. You, uh, you know, you, you, you made us look good all around the globe. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about this. Then maybe just we'll, we'll start here first. Let's talk maybe about you know what what because we've been fans for a long time. All of us since since day one, we've been watching the Raptors itself, and all of us were NBA fans before the Raptors came into existence. Um, you know, may, may, maybe not everybody who listens to this podcast will be like that. You know, a lot of you are younger or you know, you know, new, newer to the game itself. That doesn't make you less of a fan. You're probably a more of a fan than, than than some of us. But I mean, we've been watching for a long time, and we've been through all these moments. This morning on ESPN Radio, I was listening to Damon Stoudemire. Uh, he was on giving an interview on Spain and Fitz, and actually, he said he'll be at Game One. You know, so I, I mean, I remember the Damon draft pick. I, you know. They, where, where, where we booed him. <laughs> we, 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 we were, we were booing the pick because we wanted the UCLA, UCLA great. 
Ed O'Bannon. That's right. You know, UCLA Clydes, for those of you who don't know, who haven't listened to the podcast, I'm a UCLA alum, so that's part of the uh, one of the ongoing jokes we had the doctors in the uh, podcast. But, you know, so we, we've been here from from that moment. You know, we, we, we watched it all, the highs, the lows. Uh, you know, let's let's go here. We'll go to you first, Blair, and then to Mike. Why don't you share maybe, uh, you know, what this being in the finals means to, to longstanding Raptors fans like yourself. Blair? Oh, well, it's crazy. Um, as you mentioned, our, our basketball, us following basketball goes far, far back. It used to be back in the day where all you'd get was the last – 20 seconds or so of a half-hour sports broadcast after watching hockey and baseball highlights twice over, they would go, and here are the NBA scores for tonight. And they would splash, like flash up four scores at a time on the screen for about five seconds each. And my friends and I would sit there trying to write them all down. Yeah. Um, and how far we've come now. And uh, I just I remember there was an inaugural basketball tournament called the Raptors uh, Raptor Fest. And two of my best friends... Uh, close friends to this day, they ended up getting chosen. It was a high school all-star game back in 1995. And um, they played against Jamal McGlure, was on that team. And just to think, that's been it's 25 years. This next, next season is the 25th season for the Raptors. And to think it's been 25 years, and now they're in the finals. And we went from scores flashing up for 10 seconds at the end of a half hour to now the home court advantage in the NBA finals and finally watching a team that for the last year and a half, my favorite thing has just been, I've watched and it just dawned on me. I think it was about a week after the Gasol trade. I was like, Oh my God, no bums are getting significant playing time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh what, 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 what was what, what was his name? Um, Moiso. Remember when Moiso played here, and, uh, yeah. and Sam Sam Mitchell, who was the coach, said that uh, some guys at the end of the bench are just taking up air. In a post game interview about his own player. <laughs> yeah, but a, of, but a lot of them were seeing floor time too, and now it, it's just it's just amazing to think to have gone. I don't know. I don't really have much perspective of whether 25 years is a long time to wait or not necessarily. I don't think so. But just to witness it firsthand the whole time, um, you know, and being in Toronto, living an hour away first, but being there and going to games in the Rogers Center at first when you'd sit there and it would be in a baseball diamond and you'd be playing basketball there. It was crazy. Yeah. And, and then in, in, at Maple Leaf Gardens as well, too. Don't forget they played. True. Um, yeah. there, there, there as well. And you know, you, you make an interesting point, right? I, I, Mike, I'll come to you in just one second. 25 years is actually a long time if you think about it because the NBA is one of the leagues that, that is traditionally set up so that yeah. bad teams have the opportunity to get better because nothing – there's no other sport where one individual player can sway the fortunes of that franchise more, more quickly than in the NBA, right? There's only five on the court. You get a guy who dominates. He can, he can change the fortunes of your team overnight. And so to be – 25 years in, coming from an expansion point, you would think that uh, at some point you would get enough high draft picks to convert those picks into something that would allow you to contend. We've seen some contending teams, but it's taken a long time. Um, and, you know, there's been some good decisions and bad decisions, and we've talked about most of them on podcasts and articles throughout the years. But to, 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 to get to where we are now, I think 25 years is a long time. But I, um, I, I also... I think it's pretty amazing to to sort of be in this moment right now. Please refer to the Glenn Grunwald factor for part of the delay. Well, I mean, the, we, I'm sure that there are lots of people who will say there's a Babcock factor. 
you know, rest well, in peace. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just rest, rest in peace, Babcock. I didn't want to, you know, but yeah, yeah, definitely and, Babcock. And there'll be some who will say there's an Isaiah factor, and and certainly there's a Colangelo factor, and and for a long period of time there was a Masai factor. I mean, so I, I mean, yeah, Isaiah did draft Stoudemire and Marcus Camby though. Yeah, yes, yes, he he cer- he certainly uh, he's he certainly did. Okay, well maybe we'll have some fun and go back over some of those drafts and, and uh, the, the the rights and 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 the wrongs along the way. But let's go to you, Mike. Uh, what 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 does being in the finals mean to to, to you and a longstanding Raptor fan and yourself? Well, I think for most, I'll I'll speak for most, even though it might not be for most. But you know, this is sort of vindication that we you know we. We are a basketball city. We're not just the Maple Leafs anymore. We are a basketball city, and we are a basketball nation. And and when you look at what happened to Vancouver and the Grizzlies, right, how easily that could have happened in Toronto too, considering a lot of the bad decisions uh, that we made and the bad hires and the bad draft picks, right? And 25 years, I agree with you, you know, might not seem long in Leafland, <laughs> but it's still a long time in the NBA where players – uh, rotate in and out of the league very quickly, and and dominant players can dominate uh, and carry teams on their backs. And you know, this is the first time. It's unfortunate it took 25 years, but this is the first time that we've had the best player in basketball. And this is what happens when you have a player at this level, right? Vince Carter, great player, not at this level, right? There's there's something that happens when you have a player at Kawhi's level, and when you have that, it just it makes all the difference in in the basketball universe. Toronto's been waiting a long time and has suffered through a lot of really bad teams. And I think it just goes to show, you know, that we deserve this. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone who's listened to any any part of me on social media or in the past on uh, Rappers Republic knows that I do not like Vince Carter. Okay, so I'm not a Vince backer or supporter in any way. In fact, I, I've often said that I would give up my season's tickets if uh, if they retired Vince's jersey, and that's still to this day true. But I will tell you, Mike, there was a period of time. It was a brief period of time, but there was a period of time of probably about 18 months where Vince Carter was the best player in the NBA. And, and, if, and if you didn't think so, there was at least an ongoing debate of whether – I mean, it was a real debate. Would you trade Vince for Kobe straight up? And a lot of people, real basketball people, were saying, I wouldn't make that deal from the Vince Carter side. Okay, So, I mean, there was a moment. Uh, you know, It all went sour. We all know what happened. He missed the shot. He, went, got, he graduated. He quit on his team and uh, whatever. All that other stuff that went on, whatever. All that aside, there, there was a very brief window – where we did have the best player in the world. Having said, having said all that, I, I'd, I'd actually say that was a brief window of some sort of temporary insanity on analysts' parts. But well, I mean, Blair, I mean, go go back, go back to the though. I mean, let's think. Yeah, think but about a it. guy, a guy that a guy that's never been invested on defense isn't worth trading for Kobe Bryant. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I, I, I found that Vince Vince Carter. Is a, is a great player, and he will go down as a great player, and the hype around him, the dunking, the things that he can do. I don't want to take anything of that away from Vince Carter, but I, I think that, you know, had, had he made that shot, you know, had he won that series and had he continued to in, invest in his team, I, I would feel differently. And I, maybe I'm jaded, but I, I, think, I, don't, I don't think he was, you know, I don't think he was the greatest player in the league, you know, by far. Uh, in any time, but again, here's what I'll give you. Here's what I'll give you here in, in this. And again, this is, I think, I think the, the, you're making a really good point about, well, it's not about Vince. It's about Kawhi. 
right? And just about how good Kawhi actually is. And I think I said it a couple weeks ago on, on Twitter, and no one I thought I, I, I put like "Don't come at me," and no one actually came at me. But the point that I made was Kawhi Leonard is the best two way player in basketball that I've seen since Jordan, and I, I and I and I actually mean it. I don't think I've ever seen a player since Jordan play that way, that hard on defense and on offense, and make that big a difference on both ends of the court for the entire duration of a game, game in and game out since Jordan. And I, and I think if you want to put it at that level, then yeah, Kawhi is the best player we've ever had. And you know, I, I do think that you know, right now he's the best player in the NBA. No one's playing better basketball than him throughout the playoffs, regardless of whether Durant is healthy or not. But I mean, I don't know if if, I don't know if I can look myself in the mirror and honestly say that if I had the chance to take Kawhi or Steph tomorrow to start my franchise, that I would take Kawhi over Steph. I don't know that I could actually honestly say that. Blair? Oh, that's, I feel like that's a question where there's no good or bad answer. <laughs> but but uh, go on. <laughs> if I could add one thing to this, right? Like, again, not to take away from sort of what Vince Carter did or how great of a player he was. One thing that we do have to acknowledge is that Vince Carter did set the bedrock down for the team and, and brought a lot of people in Canada towards basketball, right? Like he brought a lot of the hype up north and, and it got people invested in a game that wasn't something that we were sort of before that. So Vince Carter was incredibly important to this franchise. I don't want to, I don't want that to sort of seem lost in this conversation, but Kawhi Leonard as, as a two way player there, you know, you're, you're right. Jordan was the last time that we've seen someone uh, so dominating uh, at that position. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think you, there might be some possible arguments made for traditional centers before the way the game's played now. But I think it's important to note before Leonard got hurt, when Jaja Pachulia, Bruce Bolandum, um, people were talking about him in this way then. There were. There was a lot of talk, even though LeBron was killing it, that Kawhi, there was a lot of, is Kawhi the best two-way player in the league right now? And mm -hmm. he's even better than that now. So I, I, don't, I, don't see how it's, I don't see how it's possible to say anybody else occupies that role other than Leonard. Okay, we'll come back to Leonard a little bit later on. I want to I wanna do some other stuff first, and we'll talk more about Kawhi. Obviously, we want to talk about his impact on the team and what his future looks like because those are always talking points and everyone wants a chance to weigh in, weigh in on that. So we'll just put a pin in that and come back to it in, in a second. Let's, let's stay where we're just talking about our experiences along the way and some of our growth as fans and what sort of what we've been through to get here. Uh, what, you guys have a favorite memory of, of, uh, of the Raptors from this particular season? I mean, like win or, win or lose, I think everyone's feeling pretty good. About where the Raptors are, and, and when it's all said and done, and the final whistle is blown, you'll you look back on the season, you'll remember it, I'm sure, fondly. Um, what 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 will stick out to you as maybe your your favorite memory from the season, Mike? Uh, I'd have to say it it was uh, Kawhi finally showing emotion when he when he hit that unbelievable <laughs> lucky shot to to put away the 76ers where you know he screamed and he smiled and he hugged everybody, which was so un Kawhi. Uh, that, you know, you, you always wonder, you know, how much emotion, you know, he has. And, you know, for, for the Canadian fans out there who don't get American television or don't get the TNT broadcast uh, and get to see, you know, uh, Kenny, Charles, and Shaq, you know, uh, Kenny has been 
throughout this entire postseason. He's continued to say the same thing about Kawhi Leonard, right? Kawhi Leonard is the Terminator. He doesn't feel emotion. <laughs> he cannot be reasoned with. He cannot be bargained with. He is going to keep coming at you. And he has said this over and over during the season. And it feels true, right? It's so, so nice to finally see some emotion out of Kawhi Leonard. But that, if you think about him as in terms of like the Terminator, he is going to shut you down. He's going to find you. He's not going to stop until he gets his way. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I love that social media took that shot and put it to Titanic. That's one of my favorite things when you watch it with the Titanic <laughs> music, or when you watch it with the Avengers yeah. music. There's just, it's just, it's, it's so good. Uh, Blair, what about on to you? What about what would say maybe your favorite memory from the season? Well, I, I, I have to go with Mike, and I think most people would. It's, it's the shot. I'm sure it would have. I'm sure it'll come up again while we're talking, but. Yeah, I mean, it is after all, and I was still, I'm still surprised that it is the first ever buzzer beater to win a game seven. Yeah, that's that actually surprised me very much too. I never, uh, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, that it was, it was the shot, and it's an, it's an eternal one. You know, for me, it's interesting because my favorite memory of the season is actually the uh, Valence Unis for Gasol trade. Uh, it's um, believe it or you know you guys know I love uh, Jonas and have for, for years always calling for hashtag more cowbell for those of you who are uh, longtime listeners. But I, I think we saw something different in Masai Ujiri this year. We saw it at the end of last season when he made the Demar deal. So the Demar deal was the first time really that we saw Masai Ujiri in his career as a general manager trade dollars for dollars. I mean, if, if you've listened before to my arguments against Masai Ujiri along the way, you'll know what I used to always say is Masai would trade quarters and turn them into nickels. He would take assets, single assets, and divest them into smaller, uh, you know, less valuable assets and just collect as many pieces as possible and then try to reassemble them in different ways. And it just it didn't get to the finish line. And I was always saying what I want to see him do is sort of double down and really take his shot. And this year he did that. I mean, the DeMar trade was a massive trade. It could have gone wrong for a hundred different reasons, but it went right. I mean, we are in the finals. And even if Kawhi leaves at the end of the the, the, the playoffs, even if he goes somewhere else in free agency, I mean, Masai did it. I mean, he, he, he took his chance. Now, granted, he won that trade. He didn't trade Nichols for, for quarters. He didn't go in the other direction. I mean, he traded his best player and the best player to ever play for our franchise. Really, if there's ever a jersey we should retire, it's DeMar DeRozan's and nobody else's. So I would stop the rest of the nonsense. I mean, but and he took him and he traded him and got, got the best player back in Kawhi. But still, it was a huge risk. And then that, if that was – he saw halfway through the season that the team still needed more. That even with Kawhi, there, there, there was a need to address some of the other inconsistencies in the lineup. And he was willing to go back to his pile of assets and take, you know, which was clearly an important piece. You know, Jonas Valanciunas was a, was a big chip desired by many executives around the league. And again, willing to double down again in the Marcus Sol deal. So for me, I mean, what I take away from this season was I, uh, this is the season where Masai Ujiri really, I mean, he's he's completely earned my respect as a general manager and, and really uh, went all in. And I think we're, we're seeing uh, the fruits of it. Any thoughts, Mike, on, on Masai's moves this year? Uh, I I loved both of of those moves. When I learned that we got Kawhi Leonard, I you know I I thought that was great because if we had learned anything from the past few seasons, is that Demar Derozan, great in the regular season, uh, when defenses get tougher in the postseason, he you know he cannot be that guy to lead a team through the playoffs. It's just it it wasn't going to get done 
Uh, Hold on. I, 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 I want to just jump in there. I was already, sorry to cut you off, but I want to just jump in there. I think I would like to have seen DeMar DeRozan have the opportunity to be the core piece in an offense that was schemed not by Dwayne Casey before I completely agree with that argument. I, there's lots of evidence to, to back up what you've said. But I mean, I mean, he was also hampered by Dwayne Casey as 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 the the great offensive mind, uh, you know, scheming for him with significant ISO ball, um, you know, o- o- over the over the last several seasons. Back mm. to you. That that's a very valid point. Um, what I what I think, uh, and I you know I told this to our father <laughs> earlier on in the postseason was that had the Raptors lost, you know, to Philadelphia. You know, the, the resounding idea was, you know what, Masai didn't go far enough, right? He should have traded not only for Gasol, but also for Mike Conley. Like, he should have gone in and picked up, um, I, I believe, a better point guard, a bigger point guard, one who can play, I think, more or better, or better defense than, uh, than a Lowry um, could. But, you know what, Lowry has showed up. Um, Sort of since Lowry then, so. has Lowry has showed he up. has shown I mean, up huge and and, and that <laughs> and that completely shut my mouth and I said you know what Lowry deserves the respect um, he has he has led this team in a in a different way than, than Kawhi has he has put his heart and soul on the floor and I'm all for it but up until that point in the Philly series when you know he was, again Philly's a bigger team <laughs> they are a longer team and it's really hard for a guy of his size to 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 make an impact and I thought that might have been had they lost you know I would have sort of questioned um uh, size um not spending more of those chips to to get Conley out of there but you know what? I I I'm all in on the on the moves that he made they they were very impressive he he went all in and he you know look at this is the result yeah, and let's talk about that Philly series and actually the Orlando series too. Let's talk a little bit about the journey and, we, and uh, as, as we go from here. I mean, in that Philly series, the, the, I think the reason why it went why it went as far as it did is just like with the Milwaukee series. I, you know, guys just weren't really making shots. I mean, there were really long stretches where th- things seemed to uh, come undone. And you talk about a moment where the the whole franchise is just like has their their. their their what a heart in their stomach or their mouth or whatever the saying is and they're just like oh my goodness are we here again Raptors fans is this where we are we're not you know let's go back to game one against Orlando right oh, <laughs> let's go back to oh. the very the very beginning of these playoffs Flair after game one Orlando were you thinking Masai Masai Ujiri made the right move or were you thinking uh, <laughs> this here, well, here we go again <laughs> I wasn't putting it in that context what I what I whenever I thought about it along those lines it wasn't whether he made the right move or not. Which, well, I guess it is kind of in a different way thinking the same thing is, well, there, there goes Kawhi, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess in retrospect, it would have been a good move. But I did think game one was more of a scare than I thought it would have been beforehand to just say, oh, they'll lose game one. But the way that they did, again, with another vintage Lowry game one pooper, and also just the way they had nothing... They had no answer for DJ Augustine pick and roll. And he torched them. And, you know, though, sometimes Nick Nurse is a little slow to make rotation or matchup adjustments, but give him credit in that series, they came back, and Augustine was not really much of a factor, again, for the rest of the series. And I think Toronto's had a tough journey the whole way because Orlando was a hot team. Coming into the playoffs, maybe the best defensive team in the league since the All-Star break. Um, and this kind of started a run for Toronto, I thought. 
that kind of almost reminds me of the old school Eastern Conference gauntlets. I mean, obviously the play is not as physical anymore, but they had to go through, like back in those days, some of those, re- so they've had to go through some real physical and demanding teams to play against. And it started with Orlando. Yeah, you know, you talk about Nurse's uh, adjustments. We'll come to that a little later because I want to talk a lot about Nick Nurse again. Another move where Masai Ujiri, he really went all in on Nick Nurse. I mean, he he put himself in, in his security, I think, with the franchise, um, in not in jeopardy, but he put it on the line when he said, "This is the guy I'm hiring. I don't care what anybody thinks, and I'm going and I'm going with him." Because had the season not turned out the way it did, I mean, there'd be a lot of people who'd say, "Well, you had a team that could have contended for the conference." finals you had a team that had like a superstar in Kawhi Leonard and you had one season and you put a rookie coach in there but I mean it, it will come back to that again because I, I think it's a big move for Masai and I think Nurse has done a really good job that needs to be pointed out but what you said about um, the struggles in Orlando I think are, is, is really important too because I think that that laid the foundation for where the team is right now I think what exactly. makes them so, so dangerous going into the finals is they're a team that's already been punched in the mouth Right. I mean, like they got punched in the mouth in Orlando. And then when Philly punched them in the mouth, they were not that they were ready for it, but they had been there before. And they were, you know, that they won in game seven. But I mean, they, they responded when Butler comes down the court and makes that layup. And, and it looks like we're going to overtime. I mean, there, there's a there's a resilience in this team. Yes, Mike Kawhi's the Terminator. Absolutely. But there's a feeling like yeah, we've been there. So when they when they went down 0-2 to Milwaukee. After a first game, which they completely should have won, you know, and a second game where they get they get smoked. Everybody is feeling like, uh oh, except I feel, you know, they, they had been there before. And when they punched back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee hadn't been punched. Yes, they lost game one to Boston on their own home court. Uh, but then they won four straight and Milwaukee all season hadn't lost three games in a row. Uh, you know, and then, then Toronto took took that took them, uh, you know, four yeah. straight. and Milwaukee, Milwaukee well, didn't have the answer. If I may, sorry, Milwaukee, Milwaukee kind of had a bad game against Boston. And they didn't get beat, right? Toronto beat them, right? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're trying to say, like that that loss against Boston, it was they just were able to say, oh, it was an off night for us. But they'd have on nights against Toronto and lose. Yes, I, I mean, and that, what I, what I, yeah, that, that's the point. Is that I think that the the um, the adversary that they the, that that they had to face early on, game one, immediately from game one of the of the playoffs sort of set the tone for this playoff series. And that was Toronto was going to fight and they were going to have to fight the whole way there. And I think that that really helped them when they got to Milwaukee because Milwaukee had sort of been floating their way along. It was it was very much a big, bad Sonny Liston. And then along comes Cassius Clay, right? You know, and that, you know, everyone's afraid of Sonny Liston. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and Sonny Liston thinks that everybody's afraid of him, but then all of a sudden he gets punched in the mouth and uh, and then everything changes from there. Mike, uh, what, what do you think about that? And the boxing reference, Mike, which, by the way, was directly for you, because those of you who don't know, Mike is a, a professor and uh, a boxing historian, so he covers uh, the, the, that particular sport. Go ahead, Mike. I appreciate the boxing reference. Always, <laughs> always love boxing when, uh, when we have a chance to talk about it. Uh, that That game one in Orlando, I turned off the TV, and I was so mad because that was a game where I felt we were out coached and out hustled, right? And you, when you walk into the playoffs and you are the lower seed, you are not expected to win. Um, you need to come out and you know punch the other team in the mouth and show them that you're for real. Uh, and the Raptors, um, that was a game they should have won. You know that was and just like the the game one against Milwaukee was another game that they should have won, and they, and they it just felt like they were unprepared. And the, the end of that Orlando game actually made me question whether, you know, of all the moves that were made, was was the Nick Nurse hiring going to be the Achilles heel? 
like did he, did he not make enough adjustments um and rotations in that game to actually win that game and is this going to be the theme of the playoffs that Nick Nurse is going to be one or two steps behind whoever the other coach is and that that's what I felt at the end of that game Okay, let's let's go there now. Then let's talk about Nick Nurse, and we'll come back and talk about the journey again, and preview the Golden State series and the fi- the finals, and and talk a little more about uh, Masai Ujiri as well. But let's let's go to, let's go to Nick Nurse. I mean, big gamble for Masai Ujiri. It's paid off because they're they are in the finals. So you know you can and and along the way, I think Nick Nurse has done a pretty darn good job. He's had to deal with all types of issues, like for example, load management. And he still managed to win, what, 58 games, uh, was only a handful of games behind uh, Milwaukee, and has home court against the Western Conference <laughs> for, for his team in the finals itself. Uh, in each of the series, Blair, you touched on this, adjustments were made in the Orlando series immediately. Uh, adjustments were made in the Philly series. And I thought the way in which they the, – I thought the defensive scheme to team defend and clog the middle uh, against – uh, Giannis uh, and, and Milwaukee was the best defense I've seen any team play against Giannis all season long. And I think that was the real difference in, in, in winning and losing that series is that, uh, you know, they were continually able to make life difficult for Giannis in a way that no one else was able to. And every time Milwaukee tried to make an adjustment to that, Toronto adjusted to that adjustment. Their de- their defense won them games throughout the series. And I think that um, – schematically nurse did a, did a really nice job even things like you know knowing when to go to van bleep when to, knowing when to go small against milwaukee really helped as well let's go to you first blair maybe a little bit of your thoughts about his his nick nurse's year maybe about his in-game adjustments his rotations um you know uh, what, what are your thoughts um i do think he's done a good job i personally think he was a little too slow to adjust in the Philly series once um, Brent Brown went with a shorter rotation than he'd been using most of the year. Um, But obviously it turned out okay. Uh, It's not an easy situation for him to walk into, right? I mean, it is a promotion from within, but, you know, it's awkward. He's replacing a coach of the year, right? And... um, you know, but he's actually one of the things I always gauge coaches by or try to anyway, and I think I've said this with Casey before, is Nurse has this players playing hard for him. And that's not as easy as a lot of people think it is, um, coaching-wise. And also, one thing too is, obviously, I don't even think you can call it a pink elephant because everybody's talking about it anyway, is the Kawhi situation to go through these playoffs and have like game one, like I said, game one against Orlando, oh, Kawhi's going to leave. Even like the game seven shot might be the thing we look back on that makes him stay. We'll talk about later, I'm sure, if that happens. But imagine all the pressure they're all playing under and coaching under and Nurse has to manage all that. Well, they all know that they're also playing to keep the team together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All year. Which, all is year. A, which is a whole different kind of pressure that we can't really understand. And he's navigated it quite well. You talk about the adjustments with uh, Philly when uh, Brown went to a shorter rotation. I, I, I think that Nurse, that's a hard, tough spot for him to be in because I think he tried yeah. to op- open up his bench. I mean, we saw him try to include other players, but there was no one to trust. 
I mean, like, and I, and I, I actually thought he did a really good job of adjusting to that. Like he said, okay, I need to open the bench. I need to look somewhere else. Someone, I need to find some scoring somewhere else. I need to share some of these minutes because really the, the Toronto starters have played the, the, the five Toronto starters have played more minutes than any other five um, uh, across the playoffs, right? So he tried to look somewhere else and 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 find help. But there was nowhere to be found. I mean, we found out very early that that uh, that that Meeks or whatever. I mean, he's he's not seeing floor time, right? There's you you just can't go there. And then even for, I, I think he's navigating to continue on how well I think he's navigated uh, the difficulties. And it, I was very anti Nurse in the beginning as a hire, or not anti. I just I thought it was a very I was skeptical of of that being the right hire. I mean, he's he's got to this point with this Raptors team being having shot more three pointers than any team really in the history of the NBA playoffs. They're on pace right now to pass the Golden State. I think it's 2016 team that had more threes uh, uh, than any than any other team in, in playoff history. And really? yeah, and they're doing that. He's 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 doing that. So I mean like so we have an offensive scheme of uh that's different than what we've seen before and but at the same time doing that when Danny Green is shooting Yes. <laughs> I think like twenty five percent across the playoffs, yes. and, this and, is, this is- and he's he's making uncharacteristically bad defensive decisions too, Danny Green. Whoa. I don't know what's going on with yeah. him. I don't so, know. I, mean, like, I hope he. I hope. I hope he doesn't have something personal or serious going on or something because he's just something's going on. He's navigating that though. I mean, if you if you think if you said to Nick Nurse at the beginning of the playoffs, what's your rotation going to look like? He's going to say, okay, when I need minutes here, I I know that I can get this from Serge Ibaka. And Ibaka's had two really good games in the playoffs, but he's been sometimes you put Ibaka in and he is there, and sometimes you put Ibaka in and there's nothing. And he's and he's navigated, uh, you know having to, to to manage Gasol when Gasol wasn't making any shots at all, like oh, yeah, a complete you know, for games. Navigating Danny Green being hot and cold. You'd say, well, I go to Green off the bench when I need three-point scoring, but he's got none of that from Green. I mean, he's been able still to, to find a way to make the combinations work. Uh, and we question his rotations and his lineups a, a fair bit, but he's found a, he's found a way to 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 twist the Rubik's cube to get the puzzle to work. So that so that we're here. And it, and as great yeah. as Kawhi's been, as great as Kawhi's been, and Kawhi's been the best player in the playoffs, and he is moving this team, and he is the superstar, etc. I mean, Kawhi by himself hasn't got the team here. It it has been a, a, a series of parts around Kawhi, and to Nurse's credit, he's been the puppet master that's made that happen. Yeah, and you know what? I've made some. I've made a decision, and again, I say this as you guys know. I'm not really much of a homer at all, so I'm not saying I'm not some nurse apologist or anything, but. I think a lot of these guys' struggles can possibly be explained by it, and we'll have the word for the day, fungible, right? Schemes in the playoffs now in the NBA, they're very fungible. Like, look at how much you have to change across Orlando, Philly, Milwaukee, Golden State, right? How much you have to change your defensive schemes especially, how much you have to change what you're doing on offense, and Gasol is a perfect example of this. Green, too, but I think Gasol more because he's still being more productive. Is Gasol's being extremely productive. He's just underperforming statistically big time. But he's also being asked to do all sorts of stuff he's not used to doing and playing in spaces and moving in spaces defensively that he probably didn't do as much in Memphis, especially with regards to the pick and roll and stuff, right? And so then you go and ask him when he used to have starters minutes, now he's got to come in and still be efficient on offense. That's hard. And Gasol's disappeared at times too. Um, Ibaka has, Green especially. But I see a lot of them playing in a lot of space, and I can't yet decide whether they're 
being indecisive or whether it's like, especially with Milwaukee, because you saw them seal off Giannis by doing this is not committing much because they're playing in space a lot. And that really puts players out of sorts on both ends of the floor, even if for your offense, if you're playing that way defensively. And I find impressive because nurse has kind of almost negotiated that chaos and that fungible different types of approach each round and the players aren't getting what you'd expect out of them, and sometimes they seem lost. But it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's a I think it's a great point that you make, and I think we're going to see it again uh, because you yeah, know, we're, you we're, we're we're about to see a completely different um, exactly. team and offense than anything we've seen so far in the playoffs. Really, I mean, you have to pick up the ball handler as soon as they cross half because they're already in shooting territory, and uh, and that. That combination of Clay and Steph is deadly, but even more than that, you talk about Gasol, you talk about Ibaka, and the work that they're going to have to do. Draymond Green is going to be. Um, oh, well, okay, we're going to get to the series in a second, but I mean. Well, but, but what you have to do, though, just if I may, what you have to do, though, and this comes back to coaching again, I say, because I can't decide yet whether it's a product of this try and play half of everything sort of defensive approach they seem to be taking, or whether it's players' shortcomings. But Siakam especially, but Gasol, all these guys, but especially Siakam, a guy who makes his living right now in and around the corners and the baseline, they all have to start being better at sealing off on the weak side on the glass. Yeah, They have not done that all playoffs. All playoffs, the weak side glass rotations, they've been getting killed on the rebounds that way. And you'll lose the Golden State by 20 playing like that. Yeah, offensive rebounding is... is, I was going to say, for, but for Golden State, they are actually the top, I think they're the top offensive rebounding team right now in, in the playoffs. And, uh, and, and the, the problem with them is that when you give them second chance uh, opportunities, uh, all, all, you know, th- those turn into three point plays very, very quickly because that ball gets swung right back out to the three point line and, uh, and, and it's in the net before you can blink. So, and, and we have not been a very good rebounding team. The Raptors have not been a very good rebounding team throughout the playoffs. Um, and part of that is the construction of, of, of the lineups too. And the, and the type of they, the of, of defense that that they play, uh, no doubt, Blair. And you're you're certainly right too that the, they will need to be better at it um, in this in, in the upcoming series. Okay, one last question about Nick Nurse, and then we'll, and then we'll bounce off of uh, of that. Mike, uh, is there an argument to be made that Nick Nurse is the best coach in the East right now, or do you think that him being in the finals is more uh, a, a product of, of of his of his environment and the players that he has? Well, if, if coach of the year is determined through regular season and playoffs, then yes. Um, I would I would say that he is because um, to get uh, in on sort of the adjustments that Nurse has been making, while his in-game adjustments, I feel, are coming a little bit slow, and that's sort of one of the reasons why, you know, Philly uh, took so long, apart from the fact that, you know, Van Vliet was 3 for 24, <laughs> 1 of 14 from 3, uh, Lowry was 25%, Ibaka was 21%, and so forth. Anyways, uh, but that it's his game-to-game adjustments that I found... Um, on who we're going to attack, who we're going to, you know, put the ball into, you know, whose hands, who we're going to try to take it out of, how we're going to play defense this next game. I think that's where Nick Nurse um, has really uh, shone in in these playoffs, despite the fact that this team uh, is jacking up threes that they are not making (laughs) at an unbelievable pace. And, you know, statistically speaking, if you throw up, and I think it's like 663s through three rounds of of the playoffs, Uh, and and you're only making uh, I think it's like 34 percent is what I read today is what the Raptors have been making three point wise, you know. So when you jack up that many threes at only 34 percent, 
making, you should be losing, uh, but they're not. And so we, we do have to at least give Nick Nurse credit in terms of, you know, getting his players to continue to push uh, and find ways to win when they are just jacking up threes like nobody's business. Yeah, just so, so the actual numbers there, just so, so we're clear. So 34.5% um, is their three-point uh, percentage in the playoffs. That's fifth right now. Uh, it, but the percentage of shots that they've taken from <laughs> from that range is over uh, over 40% of the shots they've taken in the playoffs. Uh, and the, the, the projection is that if, if the finals go five games, this is from uh, NBA.com, if the, project, if the finals go five games, the Raptors will break the Warriors' postseason record of 306 uh, three-pointers made. Uh, also, Mike, on the point that you made... They want, to, they, want to win the, they want to win the possession game, and they'll have to. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike, the other point you made, there, I think, which is a good one, is that uh, the game to game adjustments, and we've seen the Raptors for the most part. You know, there's been one or two games where it hasn't looked that, but for the most part, the Raptors have won the first quarter a fair bit in in, in uh, across these playoffs. Now, then you see things sort of move their into sticky places, second and third quarters along the way, but they, they've been consistently good in in, in the first uh, quarter and finding their way through that. Uh, even when they give up a, a decent amount of points, but I mean nobody has better first quarters in the playoffs uh, than the the Golden State Warriors. They they have uh, they're, they're the top performing team in in, in the first quarter across the NBA playoffs. So uh, Toronto will definitely have to be ready. Uh, Blair, your thoughts on Nurse? Where do you think he ranks in the, the 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 coaching hierarchy of the East right now? I don't know where he ranks exactly. I don't think he's the best coach in the East, but I also don't think he has to be a product of his environment either. Um, I mean, there's a lot of competition. There's some good coaches in the East, right? You got Brad Stevens. Mike Budenholzer is probably going to win coach of the year. Eric Spolstra lives all under the radar all the time. Brad Stevens, or I already said Brad, Nate McMillan even. Um, and I guess, yeah, he inherited a great situation, but, you know, so did Spolstra initially in Miami, but also Nurse Nurse isn't some coattailing personality either, right? Like he's coached more winning teams overseas than I think he has different suit jackets. You know, like he's he's had experience being a head coach. Um, and as I said before, just the way how everything needs to change, and it's been a crazy, weird, chaotic, like, you know, series of adjustments throughout each series and from series to series. I think he's done a great job, and but... You know, you don't have to be the best coach in the coach in the East, and you don't have to coattail on your own situation to become a Finals winning coach either. So, yeah, Tyloo's a perfect example of that too. Okay, let's uh, let's let's bounce now to the finals and talk a little bit about the two teams we've got. We've got the Golden State Warriors, got the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you'll hear all types of previews. You don't need us to preview the series for you, but we're going to talk a little bit about it and some of the things that we think about uh, these two teams. Golden State, of course, is in their fifth straight finals. And uh, arguably, they would have won four straight had it not been both for an insane series from LeBron, uh, um, coupled with a ridiculous suspension for Draymond Green. And I think if you take away that sort of individual moment and the block of the greatest defensive play in the history of the NBA Finals, uh, you know, we're talking about Golden State going for their fifth straight title. They're clearly the best team we've seen in basketball in a long time. I want to start with this question for you guys. Where does this team, I mean, again, we're long-watching basketball fans. I remember watching uh, Showtime Lakers. I remember watching Bad Boy Pistons. I mean, I mean, obviously Jordan, etc. Where does this team rank for you in terms of greatest uh, NBA dynasties? Uh, Blair, to you. Well, I think, for one thing, these finals pending, but... Um... 
they have to be up or near the top. I have a hard time doing conclusive tops with, you know, teams I've never seen play in person, uh, teams playing from different eras, but they are but now you, in. But you saw, you, you saw, you saw 2000 Lakers, you saw 90s Bulls, you oh, saw yeah, Showtime yeah, Lakers, yeah. You, saw Bird, you saw Larry Bird Celtics, you saw yeah. Bad Boy Pistons. You Lakers, saw, you, but, yeah, they're hard to compare, but we are now, what I was going to say is, one thing they have, though, is they are now starting to get in the territory. You've started to see it this last week for the first time, really, is they're starting to get into stuff where all you can talk about is the late 50s, early 60s Celtics. Yeah. And those, those stats are always revered, but at the same time taken with huge grains of salt because the league was so small, quality of competition was this, blah, 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 blah. And now they're starting to mute out those numbers. Yeah. So I there was only yeah. nine teams in the league when the Celtics uh, went to five straight uh, titles back in or championships in nineteen. Yeah, most of the rounds were three games. I think the series and the playoffs and stuff. So you know, it's a totally different situation, but also one that I think I do think. I mean, I've I've been following basketball since the year before the Pistons won their first championship, and never have before over the last two seasons or so has there been more just conceding that this team will win you know even when the bulls or the lakers wherever when they were three-peating they were they were like oh i don't know if they're gonna do it this year they're having a hard time with golden state it's oh we're kind of having a hard time but that's what happens when these other teams three-peated so they'll be good and yeah. you've never seen that before i don't so i think perception can make reality a lot of times and i don't think we've ever perceived a team as unbeatable or as you know, favored as this. Yeah, I mean they're twelve and two in the in, or sorry, twelve and four across the, the three playoffs. They series. don't even have their best player and they're still heavily favored. Yeah. And and what's amazing if you think about it is there was a moment in that Houston series where you really believed that they were going to lose. And then they went to Houston and beat Houston. I mean, and they beat them in their own building. And then and that was and, and that that was really it. I mean, like that was even even Portland. I mean, Portland played incredibly well. I mean, people forget that it, even though they got swept in multiple games, they had double digit leads uh, over Golden State in the fourth quarter. And yet, yeah. you know, uh, things just evaporated so quickly. The, the the danger of this Golden State team is there really there is no lead that you have against them that is safe. And there is no moment in the game when you are leading or even, you know, or when you are uh, even, even with them where you can feel like, okay, we can take a possession off because they can put 10 points on you the board. You can't take so any possessions off. Yeah. You can't dangerous. take any possessions off. Although I will say, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're outscoring their, this is a point from a, a staffmanba.com, which I, I really thought was interesting is, uh, you know, 6.2 points per hundred possessions is what they're outscoring their playoff opponents this year. And that is their worst mark through the first three rounds uh, over the, the last five years of playoffs. So they've mm -hmm. been, this is their fifth finals they're going to, and this is their, their, I guess like their, 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 their lowest margin of, of, of victory. And then, and that's, I think that's, that's saying something because it's taken a lot of Steph magic uh, to, to really sort of get them to this point. Now they're playing for history, so I would never want to, you know, sort of bet against a team playing for history that has this much talent. But I do actually think that um, this team is beatable, and I do actually think the Raptors match up well against them. Before we talk about that, and I'll give you guys a chance to to to, to have your say on that, Mike. Where do you where does where does this team lie for you in sort of greatness along history? Well, in terms of shooting, I, I don't think it's a really a question. Like this is the most insane shooting team I think we've ever seen. I've never seen a team 
shoot this well over so long of a period of time making the ridiculous shots that they do so if if you want to go in terms of shooting that they're, they're the they're the best that i think that i've ever seen um but i think there has to be something to said about you know stringing championships together yes lebron had ridiculous call yes draymond green got a ridiculous suspension i i get all of that but at the end of the day they did they haven't three-peated yet right so once once and if this team three-peats then we can start putting them in the same conversation you know as the lakers that put three to get three a row as the bulls who did that twice who, who might have won eight in a row had jordan not left uh in the middle of uh of all of that um, that went on in his life, right? And I agree that the Celtics of the 60s, you know, where they won the championship in 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 68, and 69, right? So there's, there is there is a time to, to say something like, that's a great dynasty, right? But then there's also a decade where, you know, the, the it's, it's either the Lakers or the Celtics who win the championship with, I think, the 76ers as the only <laughs> lone example uh, in the 70s of another team that actually won uh, within there. And, and, so that's, is it that's, a because, that's because Moses came along and parted the seas between those. Two. <laughs> it's a, someone needs to allow the 76ers uh, to win. <laughs> so Golden State, are they dominating? Yes. Are they a dynasty? Possibly if they win three in a row. But then, you know, I guess, the, you know, this team reminds me of that Lakers, that Shaq Kobe team where, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen you realize things might be falling off and people might be leaving and you add a whole bunch of older players who you're not quite sure about, you know, the Carl Malone's and, uh, and Gary Payton's uh, at the end of their career. Um, and you're not quite sure if they can ball anymore and you make it to the finals and you make it really easily to the finals. And then you lose to a really defensive minded Detroit Pistons. Um, that's, so a I, good, that's, that's a good shout. I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in, in that light. I mean, certainly and, I, I like the way the Raptors match up against them. Continue on, Mike. The, the, we got to remember that that Lakers team that that you know made it to that that finals with Malone and with Peyton. You know, you still had a Shaq who was averaging almost thirty points a game, and you still had a Kobe that was averaging close to thirty points a game in the playoffs. Um, but you knew that they didn't like each other, <laughs> and you knew that there was a lot of dysfunction uh, in that locker room. Uh, <clears throat> Draymond Green, <clears throat> Kevin Durant, uh, and you don't know exactly where everyone's heads at. Um, and if everybody really wants to ball with each other next year, there's so many question marks. Um, and that team was also chasing history, right? <laughs> and so, but you know, how much, how much is it is left? And it is, you know, is it a question that the Pistons were the better team or were they just the hungrier team with less distractions? Blair, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point. The, the, taking this series of looking at it through the lens of the I don't think, uh, I don't think Rick Fox is any Kevin Durant. <laughs> no, but they, they they also had Robert Ori. You know, they they also had Robert Ori is no Draymond Green. But, but they, they they had Shaquille O'Neal, who was the most dominant player. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. At, at that time, right? You're talking about a guy at the beginning of that dynasty was averaging what forty and twenty in a couple of rounds. Yeah, but, but but what's unique about this team is it's at least proven over a five game sample and a pretty impressive one at that that it can again, as I said, not not even have its best player, arguably, which is also happens to be one of the best pure scorers ever. How? And, okay, but, but Blair, and, what? in fairness, the Portland team they beat also didn't have their best player. 
Let's be honest, right? You're, they, they they swept the Portland team being down by double digits in multiple Without games in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and Portland was missing their best player. I mean, I I sure, do think that, sure, I but, think that Portland that that Portland series is a, I think is a very different series if uh, if if that's a, a full strength and yeah, a happy. but are we saying if you take Shaq off of the Lakers, they're just going to trounce Portland? I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is you're, you're, all I'm you, saying is the, you want to give you want to give play, credit to the Golden, Golden State State's team playing, playing without Kevin Durant. Best, but. Golden State's playing with their best player is one of the best peer scorers ever, and they're still sweeping people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the uh, I don't I don't think I don't think the Lakers sweep anybody with Shaq off the roster. Let's well they they did happen to win two more titles after Shaq left. So I mean, there's there's an yeah, but they got, they also added Pau Gasol to, to do that, right? Yes. The uh, the the lesser known and less talented of the Gasol brothers. I'm going to give you an interesting stat. You tell me if you think this stat bodes well or or or, or not well for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we we already know that Golden State went. Uh, what do we say? Twelve and four across the playoffs so far. But ten of their uh, sixteen games. Uh, this is the most out of any team in the has ended within five points, or sorry, was within five points in the last five minutes. Ten of the 16 games they played in were within five points in the last five minutes. And that's as many as they had in the last two postseasons combined. So my question to you is, the fact that these games are coming down to sort of tight spaces for Golden State, does that favor Golden State? Because as we talk about them being champions, they've been there before, they're clinical, they're deadly shooters. Or does that favor a team like Toronto, who we've seen have some, uh, you know, some, some dog fights over the, the, the last couple rounds? Mike? I think that favors Toronto. I think if you, if you think that Golden State, you know, they, they hadn't had to have done it in the last few years in their playoff runs, uh, this might be a case of other teams are trying to figure out and finding ways to defend against them. So you can sort of look at it that, you know, Toronto is, I think, the second best defensive team uh, in in these playoffs. So you could, you could arguably look at, you know, they haven't faced against a defense like this. And in the course of these playoffs as well, Golden State has looked vulnerable in a way that we haven't seen before. You know, having, you know, lost that game to the Clippers where the Clippers came back from the largest deficit uh, in, in postseason history to, to win a game. Um, and to, you know, again, being down in that Portland series at, at multiple times, uh, looking like they might not be able to catch up again. Uh, I, I think this, this team doesn't look as invincible as it has in the past, right? In the past, it, we've been swept up with all the, the, the stuff that they've done uh, and, and how they, they find ways uh, to win and they make it look easy. But, I think if you look really at it, it hasn't been that easy for them. Uh, and they're going up against a team that is also now battle-tested with a really good star player who plays really good defense, and the team has been playing really well. They're they're ready for them, I think, in a way that they haven't seen yet in these postseason. Okay, Blair, I got a stat for you. I'm going to give it to you. You tell me if you think this favors the Raptors or favors Golden State. Golden State in the playoffs are 8-1 and one when they've led by double digits at any point in the game. But they're also 4-3 when they've trailed by double digits. The Raptors, uh, on the other hand, 9-1 and one when they lead by double digits, but 2-5 and five when they trail by double digits. How do you think that, 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 uh, that plays itself out in the finals? Um, that, that almost sounds like a wash statistically in a way. I... I think this this kind of overlaps with the last stat as well, but I just 
I think both teams are going to be ready to play and kill it in close games. Uh, the Raptors have already proven they've, I mean, most of the games, not most, but it feels like most of their big games have been very close, hard-fought games. They're must-win games, that is. Um, uh, I... I think I think if anything, the more close, I would think the more the games are close, I would give the edge to the Raptors actually, as long as Durant's out, because I do think Golden State has kind of leaned on him in uh, late minutes of games for the last couple of years, and if they don't have that, I, the Raptors might, the Raptors will be in more contention than uh, otherwise. Okay, um, keeping it here, what we'll do one more uh, for, for each of you, Mike. Uh, the, the Raptors themselves are eleven and zero when they've scored 104 points or more per 100 possessions. Given the nature of how Golden State likes to play, is it in the Raptors' best interest to play at pace or to slow the game down? Uh, it, it's in the Raptors' interest. Um, I think if, if, if you can slow Golden State down, I think is the question that we've, asked, that we've said. Like, if you can slow this team down, uh, you can beat them. But you know what? Golden State... Um, they jack up shots pretty quickly in the shot clock as well. So that gives the other team a lot of chances to score. And I think they're in the bottom half of the playoffs uh, in terms of uh, opponents' points per game, whereas the Raptors are holding opponents to less than 100 points a game, I think, throughout these playoffs. Um, so if the Raptors can slow them down, it works in their favor. But they're going, you know, they're going up against a team that – Kind of like the you know the Phoenix Suns when when Nash was there years ago, um, we're going to let you score 105. We're just going to score 115, um, <laughs> and I and I think that's the way the Golden State Warriors are, are going to play uh, through this. It's it's I don't think it's the defense that's going to stop the Raptors as much. It's not going to be as important as the Raptors stopping and limiting Golden State on the other end, right? Like the Golden State's going to score. Can you score more than them? And I think that's where the Raptors need to be sure that they get over that 100-point mark. And it's going to be very important because we know that Golden State's going to get at least 100. Okay, Blair, I'll give you one, one, one more to you. We know the Raptors have been the second-best home team in the playoffs, outscoring their opponents by 12.5 points per 100 possessions, and they're 8-2 and two at Scotiabank Arena. We also know, however, that Golden State are the best road team in the playoffs outscoring their opponents by seven and a half points per hundred possessions on the road. They've gone six and two on the road. And in every single series in, in this, you know, five-year dynasty span of Golden State, they've won at least one game on the road. Games one and two are at home. Do Raptors hold home court? I think they do. Um, I I actually think that they're going to hold home court. I think they're going to get a reverse Bucks, and they're going to home cold court and then lose. Um, but I do think they will win the first two games. Um, I just think the the fanfare is just such a wave right now, and it's it's hard to see it's hard to see that not giving the Raptors the edge. One question though, I have I don't know if you do you guys think it matters that. Curry won't necessarily feel as away as he does in a lot of other cities. Like he lived here for a long time. I don't know if that matters or not. Does he? I, does he? Does he eat an Uber for free while he's here? Or no? <laughs> true, but no. But because I don't honestly, I wonder if it matters. Like, and also his wife grew up here as well, right? So, like before they even met. So it's I. I don't know if this is. 
if and and does that matter at all? These are those little infinitesimal things we like to look at and overanalyze when we're looking at the finals. Um, you know, I mean, he was already testing out these rims like 20 years ago when he was a kid, right? Yeah, that's, so, where, it all, that's, that's, where, that's where it all began, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, I do think the Raptors have an edge. I mean, like like I said, coming to America is coming here. But the only the only other the only other thing I would say is one that it's just Golden State and their their talent can trump anything. And two, they can they, there's some ways that they can parlay this along with Clay Thompson's chip on his shoulder about the All NBA voting. There's a way they can parlay that into a chip on their shoulder too. This all this Toronto attention that's um, being had. Yeah, they've, very, they've also been off. For uh, you know, yeah, for, there's for that too. The, so the rest and rust, yeah, there's the resting rust that comes with it. You know, we're the idea that we're the favorite, the idea that you know, we're you know, we, we we don't think this team you know can hang with us, and I'm I'm not sure they're taking the Raptors serious enough. And I think it's it's vitally important that the Raptors make a statement, uh, in game one, not only to really shake the core of Golden State. But to set their own confidence up, right? You can't have the same thing that happened with Orlando. You can't let Golden State come into your building and beat you uh, on game one. You need to come in and, and make a statement, right? You need to show that. And I think a lot of this is you need to believe it too, right? We belong here and we so, can beat you. And the one the one nice thing for those Raptors fans out there, the hardcore ones, is um, if I'm wrong and they do go out and lose game one, they've done that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. I think maybe we'll 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 end it right here. We've gone for an hour, so it's been it's been a good little chat. We've gone over a whole bunch of ideas. I mean, maybe we'll save the Kawhi stay or, or or go for for another day because the truth is, no no one knows but Kawhi, and he's not telling anybody what he's doing, and it's if really I irrelevant. Could, if I could, Steve, though, let me give a shout out to my good friends at Tequila Bookworm that are doing the Kawhi and Dine. All right, at, uh, fifteen Queen West. Everybody, go check them out. A nice little cozy bar with good late night food. All right, there you go. There, there's a shout out from from Blair. Uh, any any other shout outs, Blair? That there, anything else you want to you want to uh, promote uh, before or or, uh, or, yep. or just uh, no? That's it. No, no that's where, good. Where can people find you uh, around these days if they want to hear more? Uh, I'm still on Twitter at tf quarter. Uh, tf quarter podcast is currently on hiatus. It's one of my favorite words in the English language. Hiatus. Um, I don't know if we'll be back anytime soon, but uh, I'm still tweeting and can be reached there. Okay, and Mike, uh, what about what about yourselves? Uh, the only other thing that I want to say um, is that we ended up trading Bruno for Malachi Richardson, of which we only got twenty three games for, and then we ended up trading him to the Seventy Sixers this year for cash, and um, we missed out on a lot of players because of that, and we took a lot of heat here on Raptors Republic. Um, because of how we dealt with that's that. two trades away from being two trades away. He's two trades away from being two trades away from actually being ready. So you know what, Raptors fans, longtime listeners, um, you know what, you were right to grill us at the time, but I think at the end we showed why you know we weren't completely wrong. Uh, yeah, about- but I, uh, true. Yeah. Besides that, okay though. You know, uh, you know, there's been some good moves since then. We'll give him credit for that. Mike, what about uh, tell people about your your latest book that just came out? Uh, so I, I actually just uh, published a book. So if you want more information on uh, sports uh, in oh, Africa, <laughs> it's, uh, so I, I've uh, edited a collection. It's called Sports in Africa, African History, Politics, and Identity Formation from the publisher is Rutledge. Uh, so you guys can uh, check that out. I have a, a chapter in there 
uh, in uh, sort of my new uh, topic in history, which is actually the, the history of ping pong in colonial Nigeria. So you can check that out. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, uh, and Mike, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Unfortunately, right now, kind of like Blair, I'm in, in the middle of sort of a, of a hiatus as uh, getting uh, my life together. But uh, here's hoping that, you know, the, with uh, that the Raptors Republic beds, uh uh, like sort of what we've done here with uh, bringing back the worldwide round table. Maybe we can do this again in the future and can continue talking because this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And we've done it without it. Of course, the branch from the South, Greg Mason, who's uh, he's in Pennsylvania these days, you know, but, uh, uh, but un- unable to, to, to join us this evening. And if you, if you've enjoyed it, uh, you know, listeners, please feel free to leave some comments and let us know. And if, uh, you know, if, if there's a positive feedback and people like it, I'm sure we can maybe make time to do something like this again. Um, I'm Steve Gennaro. Originally, I was PhD Steve back when we started this whole project many, many years ago, Raptors Republic, um, and, and it's been beautiful to watch it grow. I want to give a shout out before I go off here. Uh, I mean, I talked about uh, Zarar and Sam. For those of you who, who don't know, Arsenalist and uh, or what's, what, what's what's his handle now on uh, Corner Sniper and um, and Raps fan or whatever, uh, you know, because. They were the guys that really started it way, way, way back in the day with, with Scott as well. So a shout out to the to sort of the, the originals of Raptors Republic. But along the way, there's been so many incredible people who have helped Raptors Republic grow. And I mean, to, to watch it now and to see the site now, I mean, I won't be able to tell you all of them and give all of them credit. But I mean, uh, certainly, uh, you know, um, you know who you are if you've been there. But I do want to give a, a, a very particular shout out to to Blake. Uh, and and to all the work that he did, and in a very important moment, Blake stepped in and took over Raptors Republic, and uh, so much of what you see and have now is thanks to him. And even though he's moved on, he's at the Athletic. Uh, you know, I think that um, Blake Murphy is just—he's uh, amazing. And uh, we, I, I personally am very thankful for all the work that he did for Raptors Republic. Uh, I, if you want to catch me, I'm at underscore S Gennaro. I, I cover soccer significantly more than I cover anything else, as I have for the last, uh, so, uh, you know, I'd say four or five seasons. Uh, but I still do a little bit of basketball tweeting every now and then and some other sport as well. Feel free to give me a follow if you want. And if not, that's okay too. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope the rappers go on to win the whole thing. And I hope there's a big party, even if I'm on the other side of the world and won't get to enjoy it. And until next time, Raptors fans, peace. I don't know. Either I'm off my nut or he is. Or you are. Is that your final answer? Damn, I'm good! Can you feel that? Huh? Can you feel it, Captain Compost? I can hardly contain myself. You know, before this is over, I'm gonna need a whole lot of serious therapy. Man, I'm tired of being right. Inconceivable! Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. 
Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.